In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the Gospel reading, we read the story of the man who was born blind, and we read about how this man, even though he was born this way, and it was not the fault of anyone, and yet the apostles, when they saw him, they assumed that there was something that somebody had done wrong in order for this, uh, this disease or this suffering to come upon this man. And we read in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? The assumption was is that calamities and catastrophes and tragedies and pain that comes in life is a result of a mistake or a sin or some kind of failure. It's somebody's fault that we can point to and say this is happening because of something. And maybe sometimes we feel the same way that if something horrible happens to us, that we're thinking, what is it that I did wrong? What is it that, why is it that God is punishing me for, this, for something? What is it that I did? Or in reverse, we think that if we do everything right, that somehow God is going to bless us in such a way that we will never experience pain or suffering or anything bad happening to us at all because we feel like we're always doing the right thing and we're praying and we're worshiping God, confessing our sins and so on. But this story illuminates uh, and, and reveals to us that it's not the case. It's not the case that we can have a correlation between, a direct correlation between our actions and the things that are happening to us. And in this case specifically, the Lord said the reason this happened to him is so that God could be glorified in him. So that God could do, perform this miracle and so that the world would see the power of God, the power of Christ working in this man and believe in him. So the purpose of this suffering that this man suffered had nothing to do with himself personally in terms of like him committing a personal sin. And actually he remained his entire life blind for this moment in preparation for this moment so such that when the Lord came he would heal him and we would all hear of this story and benefit from it. Um, and this is the reason why. So we can maybe look a little bit about what is suffering. How is it that we can understand it and ask this question, is suffering always associated with God's punishment? Is it always a, this, is this direct correlation? Because sometimes this is, this is the way that we think or this is the way some people think. The first point we can understand is that suffering is a part of life since the fall, since the fall happened. The curse that came after the fall when God was speaking to Adam, he says, what in pain you shall bring forth children and in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, whether to the woman or to the man, that you're, you, will, you will suffer in toil and work, and to the woman you will bring forth children in pain, and all this suffering that came upon the humanity and came upon the creation at the time of the fall, this was common to everyone. This was common to everyone. Maybe Adam and Eve were the ones who committed the first sin, but all the suffering that came into the world is common to all of us. Those who were the greatest of saints suffered. Those who were the ones who were the, the least sinful that have ever lived suffered and suffered greatly. So there is no connection between the idea of a person's personal actions necessarily resulting in whatever happens in their life, whatever consequence happens in their life. The idea of suffering has existed ever since the fall. Number two, suffering can reveal a virtue. God can allow suffering for a purpose of revealing something or, or glorifying himself or glorifying us. We read in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When we look at our life, 
we see that the life is is everything. It is it is the obviously to us the, the the most important thing. It's the thing that we are experiencing on a day to day basis, and we see it as whatever happens to us in this life is the most important things to us. We want everything to go well and smoothly. We want our future to be secure and so on. And so when things do not go according to our plans or according to the way that we want, or we experience suffering or pain that we don't want to experience, of course for us this is very painful. This is very difficult for us to experience. Okay. But part of the reason that we maybe focus so much on this is because all we are looking at is this world. All we're looking at is this life and the pain and suffering that I experience in this life. But when God looks at us and he looks at our life, he doesn't see it the same way that we see it. He doesn't look at it the same way that we look at it. We look at it as though this is forever. Whatever experience we have is forever. Whatever pain that we have is going to last so long that it might as well be forever. And the suffering we experience now is so overwhelming to us that we feel like there might be no end to it. But when the Lord looks at it, he says what? For our light affliction. He, 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 he sees what the suffering we're going through and he consider, considers it to be light affliction, which is for a moment. It is so temporary, so fleeting compared to eternity. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Meaning whatever the Lord is allowing us to experience in this life, is preparing us for the next, is preparing us for what is it that we will inherit in the next. And so he allows the suffering, that whether or not the suffering is self-inflicted, he allows the suffering that we experience in this life and he turns it into glory for us. He turns it into growth. He turns it into sanctification. He turns it into holiness. He turns it into something that prepares us for the eternal life that we are all waiting for. So when we have like an only an earthly perspective on things, suffering might, f might not make any sense. It might not make any sense. And we might look at God and see that he is unjust if we only look at this world. We, we certainly don't see that there is equal justice in this world. There are people who deserve, uh, you know, that, that live a wicked life, that deserve justice, that maybe do not receive it in this world. And we see people who are saintly and innocent and pure who receive nothing but suffering in this world. So if you were to look at only this world by itself with nothing else, I don't think we can conclude that there is justice. There is not. But if you look at all of eternity, this is when you can say there is justice. Because God will compensate for everything that we experience in this life, whether good or evil. And so when we look at it from this eternal perspective, the suffering we experience here, according to what God is saying, it is for a moment. It is fleeting. It is, it, is, it is momentary. If you, maybe uh, when we think of like the kinds of sufferings that we experienced when we were in kindergarten and the kind of problems that we had, the things that we made us upset um, when we were at a very young age that to us were like the biggest deal and we would cry and cry about them. And maybe our parents would look at us and they would say, okay, you know, you'll get over it. It's, 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 not, it's not the end of the world. And sure enough, we did. But in that moment, to us, it seemed like the biggest thing, the biggest problem. We couldn't, we couldn't handle it, right? But it was momentary. We look back at it now, and it's like it didn't even happen. The same is true in eternity. In eternity, when we look back at our lives, we will not remember the pain. We will not remember the suffering. We will not, will not take with us the baggage or the burden of the, the problems that we experience in this life. But what we will take with us is the, is the glory, we will take with us is the virtue. What we'll take with us is what we learned, is how we grew. Those are the things that have eternal weight and eternal glory. And that is why God, in his love for us, not because he is indifferent to our pain or indifferent to our suffering, but might allow us to, to, to experience those things now 
temporarily so that we could have a long-term benefit. The third point to keep in mind about suffering is that suffering, God can use it to protect our humility. He can use it to keep us from being um, falling into pride, from, from being boastful, which causes ultimately to, to, to leave, to leave him, to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves, to trust and rely on ourselves more than we ought to, and to maybe feel like we even have no need for God whatsoever because we are so kind of, um, we see nothing in ourselves but strength. This is actually how the devil fell. The devil who was an angel, what made him to fall? His belief that he was equal to God. His belief that he was better than God. His, his desire to sit in the seat of God. And in his foolishness and in his pride, and thinking that this is who he was, he, he, he decided to wage war against God, and of course, ultimately, he lost. St. Paul himself, in all of his success in his ministry and establishing churches all over the world and, and writing so many books that are now part of the New Testament, he himself, God wanted to protect him from pride. And so when, when, when um, St. Paul, during his ministry, he experienced some kind of physical infirmity, and, and he writes about it here in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, because God had actually given him a vision of heaven, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So God sent something. So God allowed something in the life of St. Paul, which many people say was uh, a physical infirmity like blindness, um, to actually make his uh, ministry more difficult. It made it more difficult for him, even though St. Paul did nothing wrong. And actually, all, everything that St. Paul is doing, he is trying to invest his energy, his time into the ministry, spreading the word of God, preaching to everyone, and bringing people to Christ. Why is it that God will allow such a thing, which to us, in our mind, we see it as an obstacle? Why, God, are you putting an obstacle in front of me to prevent me from even doing the work you have called me to do? But in the eyes of God, he looks at it differently. He doesn't see it as an obstacle. He sees it as a protection, a guard, something to, to protect you because we as human beings, when we experience too much success, it's very easy for us to fall away. It's very easy for us to turn against God. It's very easy for us to be puffed up and prideful and thinking that we are above reproach or above the law or above God himself. So, so God not wanting St. Paul to experience this, he used the suffering, a means of this physical suffering, to protect him. So again, it wasn't for his destruction. It wasn't because God abandoned him. It wasn't because God did not appreciate the, the service that St. Paul did. It was actually to serve him. It was to help him. It was to, to motivate him. It was to remind him always that he is made of dust. We remember who we are, that we are made of dust when we experience suffering. You know, when, when everything seems to be going our way, we feel invincible, unconquerable, that we can do anything. But then when we face challenges that are beyond us, face challenges that we don't know how to solve, then we are humbled. We turn to God and say, God, you're the only one that can solve this problem. You're the only one that can help me with this because there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do to save myself. There's nothing I can do to protect myself. There's nothing I can do to, to, to fix the whatever problem I ex I'm experiencing because you are allowing me to go through something bigger than me. And this suffering actually can have a big spiritual benefit in our lives and help us turn to God more and more. Suffering can also be a stepping stone for glory, a preparation for a glory that God is preparing us for even in this life. A good example of this is Joseph. Joseph, he experienced many, many years 
of imprisonment, of suffering, of rejection in the Old Testament. But ultimately we know that God allowed him to become what? Ruler of Egypt. So this glory, God was protecting him and pre preparing him for this glory he was to experience. It says in Genesis 39, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remained in prison for a long, long time. He was falsely accused. And even in prison, when he helped the prisoners who were there with him, they forgot about him and didn't speak to Pharaoh about him to get him released. So in, in many ways, Joseph experienced all of this suffering in his life. But this was a preparation. God is going to compensate him for what is it that he experienced, and he is using this to prepare him for the next stage. Sometimes in order for us to be able to handle the glory that God wants us to experience, we have to first experience suffering. We have to first experience what it means to be low in order for us to be able to handle what it means to be high. And so when, when we go through these experiences, maybe God is preparing us for something. Number five, Suffering can be the consequence of a sinful lifestyle. Okay, It is possible that suffering can come because of our own sin. An example of this is the prodigal son. It says what about the prodigal son? But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. This prodigal son who, who took his inheritance from his father, spent and wasted all of his money, and then there was a famine, and the, the, the son, he, he did not have any resources. He could not eat. He did not find any food to eat. And so he experienced suffering because of his own sin. And God allows us to experience suffering because of our sin, not just simply as a punishment, because he wants us to reform. He wants us to change. He wants us to experience that the, the decisions, the poor decisions that we make are actually going to re result in pain and suffering for us so that we do not do those things. We do the same things for our children. Whenever we want them to learn some principle, we say, okay, if you don't do this or this, then you will be punished in some way. We will deny you something. Why? Because we're teaching a principle. God also teaches us these principles. When we make poor choices, poor decisions, when we do make sinful decisions, then God is going to allow us to experience the suffering of those decisions. The last point is that suffering can be the result not just of a sinful decision, but just a bad choice, a bad choice that we make. Um, Lot, for instance, Lot and Abraham were living together, and, but the land that they were living in was not big enough to accommodate both of them because they all had many, many animals. They could not live together in the same place because the land was not enough for both. So Abraham, in his humility, told Lot, his nephew, told him, you choose where you want to live, and I will choose the place that you do not choose. So instead of Abraham being the one to choose himself, what is it that he wanted because he was the elder? He gave the choice to his nephew. Okay? And so where did Lot choose? Lot chose a place that was very fertile, a place that would be very good for his animals to live. So from like a financial perspective, it was maybe an ideal place. But where is it that was that place that he chose? He chose to live in Sodom. He chose to live in a city that was a city that is, has a reputation for sinners. Of course, we know the story of how God rescued him from Sodom before he destroyed the city. Why was he in Sodom to begin with? He chose to live there. He chose to live there because financially it was the better place for him. So he made a choice based on his priority. His priority was, what's the best place for me financially? I'm going to go and live there. And I'm not really paying so much attention to the fact that the city there is not the best, that it's not a good environment for me, it's not a good environment to raise my children, and so on. He focused only on one aspect, which was the financial, the material aspect. So it was a poor decision. It was a decision that was made purely on material grounds and not considering the spiritual. 
right? It's possible for us that we make such decisions. Sometimes we make decisions like this. We focus only on what's going to get me the most money. I'm going to take a job that gets me the most money, but it's also going to require me to work so much that I have no, um, like I, I have no way t- for me to even come to church. I have no way for me to, um, to, to, to spend time with God on a daily basis and so on. So it's, it, we make decisions sometimes in a very one-sided way. I'm not considering the things that are the most important, and this can bring suffering. This can bring suffering on us. What is the greatest thing that we are desiring in our life? You know, the, the devil, it's so easy for us to be tempted and deceived by him, desiring more and more wealth, more and more money, and going through so many hoops in order to get that money, making so many personal sacrifices in order to get that money, making so many decisions that we compromise our faith, that we compromise our, our time as a family, that we compromise um, being able to go to church, that we compromise our children, that we compromise so many things, we compromise our health. All those things for the sake of the singular goal of wanting to make money. And we are never satisfied of ever reaching a certain amount of money that we're satisfied with. No, we always want more and more and more and more. And the more that we give up, right, the more we lose. Thinking that we are gaining something, but the more we give up, the more we are losing. This is the kind of suffering that can happen. Dysfunction in our families can happen because of our poor choices. Health problems can happen because of our poor choices. You know, being disconnected from God and the church and the church community can happen because I'm so focused on one thing and neglecting everything else. So sometimes our suffering, that maybe not directly because of sin, but because of just poor decisions or decisions that we haven't completely thought through, can happen to us. So there are many reasons why suffering can happen in the world. But what what we learn from the gospel reading today is that suffering does not have to be necessarily because someone committed a sin. We are all living in this world that is corrupted, that is fallen, and we all experience suffering. Whenever we experience suffering, we should ask God to bring us patience, to give us joy, to give us a sense of, of, of feeling that God is the one who is in control of our life and that we are not going through that alone. And we ask God, is this something that is a result of my own poor choices or my own sin? Or is this something that you want me to go through for my glory? Is this something that you are teaching me and want me to learn patience in? And in everything, we look to God and we find in him the solution to bring us humility, to bring us patience, and to bring us ultimate joy in him and not in anything in the world. And glory be to God forever. Amen.